Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Welcome, everybody. Chuck Bonnell, Julie Hayden, Truth Straight Up, brought to you by... Uh, AmericasCitizenPress.com and uh, Denver Cinegenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. It is Party Friday. Party Friday, as <laughs> always. And to party with us, we've got uh, CD7 candidate, Eric Audlin, uh, to talk about his candidacy and also the uh, Ukraine war. So welcome, Eric. I'm glad to be back with you, Chuck and Julie. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. Well, why don't we then just start off? Let's get you to start off and explain um, your background, which gives you perhaps sort of a unique perspective, I mean, not unique, but it's certainly an informed perspective on what's going on. So why don't you talk about your background a little bit and then uh, your your perception and what's actually going on over there? Certainly. So I'm a West Point graduate. As an Army officer, I did two tours in combat, Iraq and Afghanistan, real combat tours. I have two bronze stars, one for valor. And i not not saying that to brag, just to let your listening audience know that I've seen real combat and I've also seen enough of war. Uh, after the Army, I left as a captain in 2011. I spent a decade in the oil and natural gas industry all over the country, all over the world. I was a drilling engineer and drilled all over Colorado, but I finished managing a $300 million pipeline construction project in Israel as part of a $5 billion project, uh, made them a net exporter of natural gas, so helped them achieve their energy independence, and then uh, left left my company, was working on a PhD, planning to become a counselor, uh, to work with veterans and trauma victims, uh, never planned to run for political office, this was not uh, something I designed my life to do, but I, I have three uh, beautiful children, and I think their future's in jeopardy. So I've been activated, and I'm running for Congress. And for me, this is a call of duty. All right. And let me explain to folks who may be watching this, both on our internet and Eric's is a little glitchy, so we're not being stolen by the Russians. Every so often, our, the picture freezes, but the audio is still there. So just if people are like, what? How come his, his sound is coming, but his lips aren't moving? That's what's going on there. Well, let me... That's as, a trick. It's a trick, yeah. As somebody then who's seen, as you said, actual combat... Um, talk about, if you can, a little bit, before we get into, I would like your analysis of what maybe is going on, but the, the, the difficulties or the challenges, or I guess just the situation of fighting uh, sort of in cities and what, what's actually going on well, over in, there. In particular, it's, it seems that we've done a great job of arming uh, the uh, Ukrainians just enough to get slaughtered. Mm. Um, not enough aid to have them actually be able to win the war, uh, but to die at huge rates and, of course, inflict lots of deaths on the Russians, too. So if our goal is the maximum death toll to Slavs, it's a pretty good program. Uh, But what it is otherwise is a little hard to know. Well, I think the whole situation is hard to know because I'm sorry, could you hear me? You know, if there's a problem, Eric, it's okay if you want to just switch to the phone. Sometimes that works better with glitchy internet stuff, or at least lose the picture and just have the the audio. Okay, so phone because they're connected, but okay. Nevertheless, sorry about that. No worries. Um, So I, I think it is a very complex situation, and I. I wonder how many, how much confidence you have in the, in the reporting of the mainstream media. Well, I have very little. Exactly. And what I experienced, in, I, what I experienced in Iraq and Afghanistan was that I would be on the ground as part of an operation, and I would see it firsthand. And what the media reported was dramatically different than what I was seeing uh, firsthand. So I don't have confidence that the reporting is accurate. The other thing is. This is a very complex situation, and I, I, I have seen civilian casualties in war, and it is heartbreaking to see that. And so I, I in no way condone what Russia is doing. I, I think it is a, a tragedy, 
Uh, what I do want to caution, because I'm very concerned about the war hawk rhetoric right. that I'm hearing among members of Congress and, and, and in both parties. And I don't think we have an administration that is equipped to address this situation. I think the Biden administration is inept and incapable of, of, of handling this in a, in a reasonable way. And the other thing is, is I, I am concerned that we're not prepared to fight this war in Russia and keep an eye on China, which is a far greater threat. Right. Exactly. So we, we need to be very clear on what our interests are in, in co- coming to Ukraine's defense and be very prepared to fight a war with a nuclear power before we get embroiled. So I want to I want to caution your listeners to to use discernment don't trust everything you're hearing and i at the end of the day i'm going to put this country first and if i'm going to be party to armed conflict that is going to uh, result in uh, death and psychological trauma and and the loss of american lives I'm, I'm going to do so with uh, a lot of forethought and being very clear what our objectives are. I think we we have made many mistakes. The, the disaster in Afghanistan should not be forgotten. It's, a, yes. it's created the kind of instability that maybe has emboldened Russia to take advantage of this. But China will not sit idly by if we get entangled in Russia. So I wonder about all these virtue signaling pundits and politicians, are they going to stand with the, the people of Taiwan if China, China invades Taiwan? Yeah, right. right. Um, we've got to get America's strength back. And we can see that the Biden administration has done everything they can to erode our strength. We need to restore our energy independence, stop buying Russian oil if we're not already. Uh, that, you know, it's insane that we would be buying Russian oil while this is going on. We need to contain it economically. Uh, of course, we've got the NATO alliance that we've got to adhere to, and I think we should be doing whatever we can to make America strong and ready to address these situations. Uh, one further thought. The military has changed dramatically in the past few decades because we've been fighting a counterinsurgency war in Iraq and Afghanistan. That has changed our competencies. So we have to be uh, competent to fight a land war and we've always talked about avoiding a land war in Asia. Well, that's what this would be. So I would say we need to get the military readiness back, and a lot, and that's not swiftly done. And so there is a lot of complexity to this situation that I don't think is being well thought out at the highest level. No, I think our, our, if, our if you had to, if you had to summarize what you think the Biden's war aims <laughs> are. What would you say for the, this? this <laughs> Just screw the American public, the middle class. I mean, I mean, what are their war aims? What if if this goes the way they hope it will go, or is likely to go? What is the net result? It's very difficult to conjecture around what the Biden administration would want to accomplish here. I, I, I mean, we know that that Biden has ties to the Ukraine yeah. and Burisma. He did as a vice, as vice president. This is indisputable. Uh, so there's got to be an element of that going on. Uh, and, and I want to point out that Ukraine, and I'm not talking about the Ukrainian people, but the government of Ukraine is one of the most corrupt governments right. on the planet, according to the country uh, corruption, the country corruption index. So, they're not some shining beacon of democracy. And we are we are, are making this a black and white scenario, which is right. a gross oversimplification of the situation. Well, uh, this is not good. I don't condone Russia, but I, I also don't think that uh, Ukraine, they're not our ally. And well, so they're our, they're our ally in, in corruption. I mean, right, yeah. you know, Hunter yes, Biden Hunter was Biden's there. Ally. Was there. Nancy, uh, Nancy Pelosi's son was there. Um, the Clinton Foundation was there. Um, they must find it really difficult. We accuse them of being corrupt when we're part of the corruption. Yeah, they're partners in corruption. Well, you know. I, yes, there's an element of that going on that I, I don't think most Americans recognize the, the amount of corruption in this administration or their ties to Ukraine. I mean, they, 
we talk about that and we're, we're going to be labeled conspiracy theorists, but right, the evidence right. is there and it's, it's public information at this point. Will be. Well, you know, when you said something, I mean, frankly, I have to say, I agree with everything you said. I was, we were talking earlier about, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wag the Dog. Have you ever seen that where yeah. they, they go to war and they hire Dustin Hoffman to produce a movie or to produce a war. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Both the Russians and the Americans are producing a war. When you see all these pictures, you know, that, that we were talking, just, there was a dog, it's a picture of the dog sitting by the dead Ukrainian soul. I mean, I mean, and it all turns out to be not true. And nobody cares whether it's true or not, as long as it's a great movie, right? And, and you have a great movie, you got to have evil people. You have to have a villain, you, have a you villain. have to have a hero. And mm-hmm. Zelensky, as you said, who, you know, and then they show the pictures of Zelensky, and then somebody else points out, none of them are in, I, no, I don't know that he's not in Kiev, but none of them are, I mean, as you said, I don't trust any they say, which makes it hard. But what worries me is also what you said is you got these nut jobs like Lindsey Graham saying, I know that's assassinate Putin. It's like, I thought like, is he like drunk texting and tweeting or something like that? I mean, can you bring his inner John McCain? Right. It's like, seriously, Lindsey Graham, that's assassinate Putin. That's not to seem maybe you could say that at a cocktail party to someone, you know, but to actually put that out as a senator to me, that's crazy. What do you think? It's insanity, and I've I've really been struggling to adhere to Ronald Reagan's Eleventh Commandment, you know, as a, because because the rhetoric I hear from certain Republicans is foolish, it's immature, it comes from people who've never served a day in their life, who have no idea what these consequences are, and it's it's abhorrent to me that we have such children uh, holding elective elected office. And uh, I mean, it's outrageous. You can, uh, 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 it infuriates me. Yeah. So, well, so what I, do you, what do you think of, and we see it, you know, the new the retraining of American ones, and the pronouns and the, the diversity. pronouns and diversities and making sure we have uh, flight jackets and armament for pregnant women. And, <laughs> and uh, just, it just seems like it's an interesting time to uh, feminize the whole, the whole armed forces. Well, I, I, I think that I personally have the lowest confidence in both our civilian and military leadership in my entire lifetime. Yeah. Our, our, our military needs to be retooled and certain flag officers need to be fired because they're more concerned with perpetuating Marxist doctrine, right. indoctrination and wokeism in the military than fighting and winning our nation's wars. The military is a meritocracy. It's meant to be able to win in conflict and in violent situations. It is not meant to accommodate everyone. It is not a democracy. I mean, when I, as an army officer, I, I you know, we, we can talk about the vaccine issue, but I took the vaccines because I was ordered to. It was not my choice, right or wrong. It, it is not open to free dialogue and it's not meant to be inclusive it's not <laughs> it, that's not what it's for it's meant to defend this country and to uphold the constitution and when you introduce certain things like critical race theory it undermines the morale and welfare of soldiers when i was in combat i didn't care what color you were all i cared was that you had my back and right. that you were capable of fulfilling the mission and and so it was the perfect uh, concept is being assessed by the content of your character, not the color of your skin. And I think it's the, the probably the most integrated institution in society. So it's greatly disturbing that we've gotten people like Millie who are, you know, this Idiot. new wokeness. It's, it's disgusting. And as a congressman, I'm not going to stand for it. And one tool I will have at my disposal is congressional investigations. I can investigate military units and i will use that to the full extent to make sure that the military is ready to fight and be be ready to address this new global dynamic in and and russia and china and i will say once again china is the far greater threat than russia xi jinping openly talks about global domination uh china is committing genocide as we speak and i'm wondering where the outrage where do we stand with the eagers who are being being uh, murdered you know it is such hypocrisy that it's uh it's very disturbing 
you about that, because I know we had a guest on earlier this week who was talking about, and I agree with them, that said, you know, the thing that's kind of going underreported in our, you know, our fascination with the movie production of the war um, is, is this alliance between China and Russia um, that is extremely alarming. And I mean, like you said, we've had a military that's used to fighting insurgents in Iraq and Afghanistan. All of a sudden, I think to, and we've got, and now we've seen Vladimir Putin is like, hey, I'll invade Ukraine. I don't have a problem with that. China's like, we maybe won't support you, but we're certainly not going to sanction you when they're helping them. I mean, that is scary that we have these two superpowers that are, are equal or maybe who knows, then some. And I think that changes the whole dynamics of, I think, the West and the United States, don't you think? Well, yes, because the, we've eroded the balance of power that, uh, because we've weakened our economy, we've, we've given up our energy independence, we are fighting internally within our country, we've got a disaster on the southern border, where fentanyl is the leading cause of death between 18 and 45. We, we have, these are a direct result of failed government policies, and China and Russia and other bad actors recognize that we're not in a position to address certain conflicts and they're going to take advantage of it. And the answer is, is get America back on track, make America strong. And that brings global stability. What I really appreciated with, with President Trump as a combat veteran was we weren't getting into new foreign entanglements. We had a had peace through strength policies. We had peace in the Middle East with the Abraham Accords and that was unprecedented. I worked extensively in Israel, and the day that uh, Trump left office, uh, Hamas starts launching rockets into Israel, and Iran starts getting bold. So we can see the results of, a, of, a, of an extremely weak administration. Nobody respects Biden. Uh, you know, half the world recognizes that he's borderline senile. And he's incapable of addressing, and that's what's most concerning to me is the, the ineptness of this administration and their inability to address a, a, a crisis with any form of nuance. Right. Well, that's what worries me about when, you know, the other day I found myself agreeing with Jen Psaki at least one time where um, people were, where the reporter was like, well, why don't we, why don't we have the no flyover zone? And she's like, are you kidding me? Because then we would have to shoot down a Russian plane and that would be bad. But I worry that the Biden administration may say, oh my God, we're still sinking in the polls. People want to do that. That's do that. I mean, they don't, like you said, they're just inept and they don't seem to be paying attention to the right things. And I just, I worry that we are closer to a brink here because of their ineptness than, than maybe for, for in a long time. Well, we're, we're sending apparently Kamala Harris to Poland, which, you know, our gain is Poland's loss. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that there could be elements of wag the dog. There's definitely an effort to use this crisis to cover up, you know, the 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 fail the failures uh, of this administration, and it's very very dangerous. We getting in, into a war with a nuclear power is something that most Americans have have no understanding of what that entails and what the consequences could, could be in terms of long-reaching effects on our country. You know, it it could destroy our country as we know it. You know, there's no doubt that we we could destroy Russia in the meantime, but China is waiting in the wings. This is not an isolated incident. So it is a very complex situation and we need wisdom to maneuver it. I'm afraid that's lacking. But members of Congress should be the adults in the in the room and checking the powers of the presidency to ensure that we don't get entangled in this. And they're egging it on. And right. There's a number of Republicans trying to egg it on. And, you know, what, what their agenda is, I mean, we can speculate about that as well, but it's deeply concerning. What about that? The, the need, and just a couple more questions for you, then we'll let you talk a little bit about your campaign and, and let you go. But, you know, also then you have experience in the oil and gas industry. And Jen Psaki is trying to say, oh, well, the Keystone Pipeline and all that, it would take years to gear up, years to gear up. So there's no point. I mean, how, how does all of this in, and combined with the Biden policies impact the oil and gas industry and our ability to be energy independent? Well, for one, we could spin up the industry very quickly with 
with smart deregulation. I mean, especially in Colorado, yeah. it, the the loss of energy independence is swifter than than turning it back on because there's large capital expenditures related to any oil and natural gas project. But but if we unleash market forces and that's with the way the the price of oil and natural gas is, companies are incentivized to turn on production if we let them do it. We let we turn on the Keystone XL pipeline and finish the construction there. Uh, we 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 allowed smart and sustainable drilling on federal leases, and I've drilled a lot of wells all over Colorado, and we did it with the environment always in mind, uh, so we could do that. But but you know part of the Biden agenda is to destroy our energy independence. Yeah to usher in alternatives with this Green New Deal that is disastrous and Pollyannish and and is a pie-in-the-sky, unrealistic uh, approach to to providing energy for a nation. We, we do need to explore all energy sources, but we shouldn't be throwing the baby out with the bathwater yeah. and be buying petroleum products and natural gas from countries who hate us. Right. Well, you so, said you, you worked on the pipeline with Israel. Both the Obama administration and the the um, Biden administration seem to oppose uh, pipelines from Israel and and through the Middle East. I mean, why 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 was that the? Uh, I think they just squashed one project uh, the other day. Why is it, well? I never quite understood why Biden and and Obama and Biden oppose uh, those pipelines. Well, I mean, I, the pipeline I built was was from an offshore platform terminating in Israel and, and essentially powering their own grid. Uh, we were, I was also asked to manage a project to build a pipeline and a compression station to Egypt. So Israel is now exporting to a- Arab nations, which is a, a huge positive because it's peace through economic relations, which we were we were working on in the Middle East. I do think that the Biden administration has largely eroded that. There was an option on the table to build a pipeline from Israel to Europe. Yeah. It's an expensive project, but it can be done. They've got enough natural gas for for 50 years and would love that opportunity in order to offset, you know, Russian exports to that country. But that's not something that can be done swiftly, but it should be something that we support. And, and as long as it's economically viable, and that's what has to be factored into any source of energy is its economic viability. And for the most part, but what, 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 what was the democratic opposition to that pipeline to Europe? Just, uh, you know, because, because in general, green energy. Uh, well, I mean, they, they squashed it. I forget, you know, the, whatever the name of the, uh, the advisor to, to Trump who, went down to Israel to work on it. And, and they quickly tried to squash him for lots of reasons, but one of them, because he was working on an Israeli pipeline. You know, it, it seems, it's, it's funny that I get the impression that the Democrats are not pro-Israel. Yeah. <laughs> but we, saw, we saw Obama bailing out Iran and and funneling money to Iran. That's also proven. It's not conspiracy theory. I don't understand why they wouldn't be. And and in fact, uh, a big source of Democrat funding comes from the Jewish community. And they, I just wonder if they realize how anti-Israel the liberals have become. I I must've been political Chuck because there's no economic reason to squash that pipeline. I mean, there is no reason that there shouldn't be an alternative for Europe to not be dependent on um, Russia. On yeah, Russia and yeah. China. Well, let me, Eric, talk a little bit just real quickly about your campaign. And you got where, your signatures in? You're, you're going by the petition uh, route? Petition route. Yeah, I mean, I, right now, I, that, you know, we're undecided whether I will participate in the assembly, but, I, but the, I've got my petitions in. We expect them to be approved by the Secretary of, the, of State. Uh, as soon as next week. So I'll be qualified and be on the ballot. I know a lot of your listeners are, you know, ha- take umbrage to that. It was a strategic move. It's not thumbing my nose up at the Republican Party. It is the lowest risk path so I can be a service and focus on winning the general election. So it was purely a strategy move uh, in order to, to connect with the district and spend my time doing that. 
the campaign's going very well. I won the most recent straw poll in Chaffee County by by orders of magnitude. I got 53% of the vote. Uh, the, la- the, the second trailer behind me got 16%. I'm also getting all over the rural communities, uh, Custer, Fremont. I'll be at the Broomfield uh, Assembly and Caucus tomorrow. Oh. And look forward to speaking there. I am a delegate to the county and, and the statewide assemblies, so I'm going to participate uh, and, and thankful to do that. So, uh, but things are going well for the campaign. I mean, I, I, I have never run as hard as I, I am running now, <laughs> never been so busy or worked so hard, but it's just fulfilling to be serving my country and be trying to sort, sort these major issues that we yeah, have. It's a tricky time. Well, where, right. where can people find out more about you? Help if they want to volunteer, if they want to. So my, my web, website is the best place to start. It's oddlandforcolorado.com, A-A-D-L-A-N-D-F-O-R, colorado.com. I have, a, I'm pretty transparent All my, uh, on my positions, radio interviews, videos, you can really understand where I stand and, and, and what, uh, what I believe and what I'm going to do. All right. All right. Well, thanks very yeah, much thank for coming you. on and best of luck. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank well, you, sir. Have so a good much. weekend. I enjoyed the conversation as always. All right. Thank you, you, sir. Eric Odlin there. And sorry, everybody, we had so many comments here um, that I wish we when we have a guest like that, sometimes it's hard to read real quick. Um, this is from Stephen real quick to some of the most recent ones. Oh, and this is from Dr. Donna. Thank you, Eric. Um, war is already being fought in the cyber world. Our cybersecurity is not up to the requirement. Um, we won World War III largely because of our vast World War II rather energy resources. Um, why no pipeline here now? Control. I mean, there's just so many issues, guys. Those are all great comments. I wish that I had time to get through them all. But I see we've got world traveler, Dr. Brian Jundeff with he looks us. Tan, rested, and ready. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, a lot of people I think follow you, obviously, on Facebook, um, Brian. So first, I guess, let me welcome you to the show. Where where are you? Are you home? Are you I'm home? I'm all home. Right? All right. I was and like, I'm without you- a beard, just like your co-host. What happened yeah, to his beard? Right. <laughs> so people i mean we I'm, all look we all look younger without our beards i think so i know our son rob t- said dad you look younger there so <laughs> well i have been following like i said with great delight your postings from like all over the world and um and you know and then your column an american thinker saying hey you know american in iraq like american it's in not Paris. exactly as reported if you follow <laughs> the mainstream press so why never is Never kind of is. Fill folks in on where you've been, what you've been doing, and, and what you learned. Well, uh, my son, who works for Delta Airlines, he does revenue management, and he's got travel benefits, and he loves to travel. He's been to 145 countries already. And he, over Christmas, proposed to his dad about doing an adventure trip. <laughs> and... What He's not rafting. Say, yes. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, we'll go biking. <laughs> biking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go. We'll go up to. We'll go mountain biking at Beaver Creek or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's that's where we went, and uh, courtesy of Delta Airlines, and we started in Istanbul. We spent the day there uh, just to see it. I I hadn't been. He'd been there before. Um, got to see some of the great mosques there, the bazaar. Oh, it was nice. Fun city, big, vibrant. And then uh, late at night, we flew to Baghdad. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> As one does. <laughs> and if you look at the departure board at Istanbul, you, you can go anywhere, you know, Mogadishu, Tehran, all, you know, all these places, Aleppo, all these places you hear about on the news, you can actually go there. Cool. There, there are that flights. flights to Aleppo people, must be fun. <laughs> people, people travel to these places. Uh, anyway, we got to Baghdad. You can do now visa on arrival, so you don't have to apply for a visa, you know, weeks or months ahead of time, which will certainly increase tourism. There weren't a lot of tourists. There were some Europeans there. Uh, we didn't meet any other Americans. Got our visa. We spent a day in Baghdad and then hooked up with a, a guide uh, and uh, his driver and car. And they took us around. And this is someone my friend, uh, my son uh, met up with through his Facebook and Instagram groups of fellow nomads that travel and they compare notes and all of that. Um, 
So it was great. Having a, a car and driver made it very efficient. We could see a lot in a short time. And as I wrote my article, we uh, from Baghdad headed south and saw a lot of the sites in south and then headed north and up into Kurdistan, where we finally finished. And it was a great trip. We, we really saw a lot. We felt safe the entire time. Yes, there are a lot of checkpoints. You get these, you know, police, military, tough guys with Saddam mustaches checking mm -hmm. your passport all the time. But in a way that made me feel safe, that they're they're vigilant. And yes, it's a hostile part of the world. And there's probably some troublemakers running around. But the checkpoints, I think, are to keep a watch on us. It's probably safer than downtown San Francisco or Seattle. Really. Or Denver. So, or Denver, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we... Well, let me ask you this, because you said it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't kind of what you'd been led to expect. I mean, what, how was it different, you know, what there for, what did you expect and how was it different? Um, I thought I'd feel more unsafe. I thought, you know, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. I thought there'd be. You feel like you, know, you were in Chicago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah like <laughs> south side of Chicago. You know, there, there, there'd be you know, bad people and thugs and people that, you know, looking over my shoulder all the time, never felt that felt very safe. Um, it wasn't as traditional Muslim as some other countries. Uh, women wear the, the head covering, but, you know, a lot dress in Western clothes. And it's not like, you know, you'd see in Saudi Arabia or Qatar, a place where, you know, the, the hijab right. with and burqa with you know, slit for the right. eyes. Right, right. I've seen that elsewhere. Um, and then people were very friendly. Anytime we stopped to take pictures somewhere, there were people always coming up to us, wanted a picture with us. And, <laughs> you know, they were pulling out their phones and doing selfies. <laughs> a, a novelty to see Americans there because Americans have been a big presence in that country for the past 20 years. And not necessarily positive. So yeah. I, yeah. I think they're happy to see normal everyday Americans visiting. Right. How was interested the in their country. How was the economy and, and, you know, things like that and the ability to get around? I mean, it sounds like you, you guys didn't really have any issues at all. We had no issues. Um, but it, it helped having a car and driver and right. they, they knew where they were going and they knew how to navigate checkpoints and all of that. Of well, you did a, you did a great great job in your um, article describing the the travel warnings given by our State Department. Yes, which which were really draconian. They're saying you know you'd be insane to go. <laughs> yeah, get your affairs in order because you're going to die. Basically, yeah. Yeah, sign your <laughs> will. Sure your will is up to date. Power of attorney. You know your pets are taken care of. Somebody's going to look after your house and your affairs, and <laughs> get an orphanage for your kids. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they really made it out like, and and the, the people I told I was going had similar. It's like good luck. You're going to die. Right. Yeah. Why the you know what are you going there? But, you know, and we we were talking with previous on the show previously, you know, like I said, the whole war, everything is narrative these days, right? There's two different worlds anymore. There is the real world where most of us live. And then you have the world created by the elites and the globalists. And all that is, is it's narrative. And sometimes I think it has little, if anything, to do with reality. And it's something like this is another case, right? The narrative is all oh, bad, 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 evil Iraq, bad, bad, bad. Don't go there, be dead. And then you go there. And, and we're like, like said, it's literally safer than, you know, trying to get to your car after leaving a nightclub in downtown Denver. Exactly. People are very friendly. We never felt concerned. And the, the last night after our tour officially ended, my son and I wandered around. We were in Herbal up, up in Kurdistan and you know, left our hotel to just take a walk and had some tea somewhere. We we're fine. You know, street vendors and people out and about and you know, the, you get the pestering people that are trying to sell you something, but that's anywhere. That's here. Yeah, that's uh, the door. Uh, but but uh, yeah, every, everything was fine. And we, we felt quite safe and uh, really not concerned about anything. Well, that's cool. Well, what about then the situation in Ukraine? Because that was all unfolding as you were there, right? And, and now yes, again, and I, I actually had concern because I my flight was coming through Heathrow and you know, I'm like, yeah, the war starts. and well, Yeah, where are you flying <laughs> over? There are about civilian planes that have been shot down in those areas. Was it, um, was, it a, was it a thing there or were people? No. 
<laughs> they, they, I mean, they, they, Iraq has been through 30 years of war. Yeah. <laughs> they had the Iran-Iraq war and then uh, Saddam attacked Kuwait. Nobody could explain why. It, it, you know, well, that one I understood. People. He wanted the water. I mean, the uh, oil. <laughs> That's why we invaded Iraq. I haven't figured out. We, yet. we didn't get the oil, and he did, he didn't want or need the oil. He was just uh, you know being stupid and and just I don't know. He was bored or wanted something to do. It, yeah. it really he, he didn't need the oil, uh, and he made a mess of things and had to basically pay Kuwait a lot of money, which was devastating to Iraq. And then he's taunting America about WMDs and bluster and this and that, and look what he got for his troubles. Uh, yeah. but, but we got the, first trouble. The, the Iraqi people got a lot more. I mean, it really yeah. it made a mess of things and it ushered in ISIS and ISIS made a mess of Mosul and some other cities. And it's right. like a war zone up there. It's, it's yeah. like what Germany would look like after World War Two, just what bombed is- out buildings and facades of buildings and piles of rubble. Um, interesting you, to see. Yeah. yeah. Did you find a, a- Significant cultural difference between Kurdistan and Baghdad? No. No. Okay. Uh, you know, clothing a little different. There's some traditional garb they wear up there. Uh, I didn't notice anything different. Okay. What about, me, well, to me, much the same. While we've, we've got you too, it'd be remiss if we didn't sort of pick your brain on, I mean, your, your thoughts on, you know, the whole thing going on in, in Ukraine and what, what, uh, well, I, I, you know, what, what do you make of the whole thing? Um, I, I think uh, NATO expanding to the east is, is a mistake. And, and Putin felt threatened by having Ukraine join NATO yeah. and, and having NATO military on his border. I'm not defending Putin, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what did we do in the 60s when the uh, Soviets put missiles in Cuba 75 miles from the U.S.? To us, that was a, a threat. Well, that's what we've said is, I mean, you can kind of see his point, you yeah, know. What, what is, I think NATO has outlived its usefulness. NATO was helpful after World War II and against the Soviets and Cold War. Cold War has been over for decades. And yet NATO is expanding. And what's the purpose? It seems like an unnecessary bureaucracy. And it's a threat to Russia. And they don't want all these weaponry and everything on their border they they view it they're they're nervous about that just like if you know you had a a meth house next door to you and gangs and shootings all the time nobody wants that on their border well what i I don't understand is is a miscalculation i think it is miscalculation when putin has said for a decade that a you know a red line would be the the nato expansion into ukraine why have we always poo pooed that? Like, oh, well, maybe that's like an Obama red line in Syria. It's, it's, it it's, not, it's really not a surprise. Apply. You know, when somebody <laughs> yeah. says, if you do this, this is what I'm going to do. And then, then they do this, it. And he does go, that. Oh. It's, it's like, well, what's the surprise? So he, right. he did exactly what he promised he would do. Uh, and he wants to make sure Ukraine's not part of NATO. And you can argue of uh, Eastern Ukraine, whether they'd want to be part of Russia. Ukraine is a very corrupt country. I, you know, I, don't, I can't put myself into the heads of the people there, but there are probably a lot that would rather be part of Russia than Ukraine and all of their corruption. And uh... No, Brian, these are heroic people, <laughs> orphans, arming themselves and fighting against the evil Satan. I mean, you have clearly have not been following the yeah, narrative. And, the, and, then, and then the news is, is all gaslighting. They're showing pictures of atrocities in Ukraine until somebody finds the exact same photo from five years ago in Afghanistan. Exactly. Yeah. Well, had a, had a, you know, that, there was one great one um, that said, uh, weep for the poor Ukrainians. And they go, oh, no, that's Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, media is, the media is ridiculous. And, and I've, I've basically tuned out uh, big media on this because they're, they're, right. they're all singing from the same uh hymnal and the same thing and it's 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 being dishonest it's like they're they're stirring up they they want a war over there and it's uh, the timing's suspicious it's it's convenient yeah. to distract from you know all the covid stuff going away and uh well how about inflation that? and the economy and biden's unpopularity yeah, yeah. nothing like a war to to everybody going yeah, together. rouse the troops 
You'd be happy to know that while you were in Iraq, COVID was cured miraculously, exactly just noticed. in time for the for the State of the Union. Let me ask you this: Was, was COVID a thing there? In, in- oh no, <laughs> non-existent. Wow. The only the only time I wore a mask was when I went to get my COVID test to come home. COVID <laughs> test to go back to the U.S. So I went to some test center and I had to have a mask on while I got my nose swab. That was the only time I had a mask in my pocket, but never needed it. Uh, some of the you know, nicer hotels that maybe cater to Westerners more, the employees might wear a mask. Nobody else. Nowhere, <laughs> no how. You go into a mosque, you go into market. Nobody's wearing a mask. No, were they dropping dead in the streets too? I'm assuming in the hospital. No, I didn't. Not- I didn't see anybody dropping dead. I didn't see anybody, you know, coughing out a lung or feverish. Or uh, well, yeah, they've you- they've had COVID there, but I'd, I'd like to do a compare and contrast in a future article of Peru because we were in Peru over Christmas, and Peru is mandating, you know, you wear two masks inside, outside, everywhere, vaccine card to get in any business. So kind of the opposite of what I saw in Iraq. And I would guess that their numbers are pretty similar. Yeah. Two very different approaches, and yet uh, both roads lead to the same. Well, and and I I guess, too, the Gateway Pundit had a story today where the CDC is numbers are kind of starting to come out. Um, as we've been saying and predicting all along, that the actual the difference between the number of people who died from COVID or with COVID is huge, uh, yes. which I think we're going to find out more about. Um, what well, do you think we'll ever find out um, what the actual uh, reaction to the COVID vaccines, adverse reactions, the COVID, uh, COVID shots were? Well, we're starting to because Pfizer had to was compelled to release data. Yeah, uh, I, that's kind of my next uh, article. I'm going to dig into that a little bit. But yeah, the very high rate. And that's they, they wanted to they wanted 75 years to release it. So, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it, t- it took them 75 days to review the data and approve it. But they want 75 <laughs> years to review the data to release it to the public, which uh, to How me, suggests that they don't want find, it released. How long do you think it would take to find out? How long would the adverse reactions last? I mean, if you're if you if you're good after ten days, you'll never have a you know a problem, or is it? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, that's, that's, that's all that. I mean, a, a lot of the reactions are early, right? Yeah. Uh, like within the first week or two, but the late stuff we don't know. That that's why normally with vaccines, the clinical trials are several years. Right. Right. Yeah, you're not going to do a you know 20 year trial to see what happens in 20 years, but at least you know a year or two you see about infertility and heart issues, and you know I read something that the the vaccines get into the liver and it's right. you know, transcribed into DNA, which is they said oh that won't happen, but apparently it does. Yeah, that bad somehow too you know well I, I, no, potentially no. yes we don't know what that means and what the implications but. Yeah, you don't want it to be doing that. Right. And as well, you know, you this know, was all of... this was all rush, 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 and it was approved and you know, kids and boosters and everything. And we really don't have the data and it's other prescription medications and things. That's why they have longer clinical trials to mm-hmm. to really be certain about not only efficacy but safety to make sure you're not harming people. Well, well, I want to know, I, I was kind of curious, how did the CDC become so corrupt? And of course, you're kind of going, well, maybe it always was. There have been articles on the um, polio vaccine and uh, the Cutter incident and all the kinds of problems, um, how they changed definitions of what is polio. And therefore, that showed enormous cutting of, you know, the huge success of the vaccine, although a lot of it was just definitional and some of the, you know, bad batches and other things. And it shows that, you know, no, it's <laughs> the same CDC has been around <laughs> the whole time. Well, these bureaucracies get politicized, like like any other government agency. Uh, they should be apolitical, but they're not. Look at the IRS and Lois Lerner is just one of many examples. And look at Spygate and the DOJ, FBI, CIA. These These agencies become corrupt and serve political masters rather than sticking to their mission. And for the CDC, it's uh, disease control. 
Right. Well, and not, now I'm not getting he's... into nonsense. They're, you know, getting into, you know, diversity and gender stuff and just, you know, stick with what, what stay in your lane really of, of dealing with infectious diseases and things like that. They don't have to do all this other stuff. And when they get corrupted and people lose faith in them, the FDA. Oh yeah. Uh, all, all, you know, Fauci's age. gone. You haven't seen him. Yeah, where, where's he's, Fauci? He's, did, maybe did, he went to Iraq. I did, mean, he, did he get, was he sent to the Ukraine? Where, where, where's Fauci? <laughs> haven't seen him he's, for he's, in, he's in Ukraine cleaning up those bio labs that uh, Putin's getting rid <laughs> yeah, of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, there are a lot. Of, I was amazed how many bio labs the U S has around the world. I know yeah. what's up. With, exactly. It's like what I guess better in other countries, I guess, in here. But still, <laughs> you'd think somebody would go like, what's up with that? Well, and there's a plausible theory that uh, Putin was worried about that. You know, another covid type virus in, in Ukraine that's released right. next door to him and, right. you know, get rid of these things. Right. Go and, in well, and bomb the- them and destroy them. One of the things concerns I have, too, is because I think it's interesting because on the one hand, particularly since the State of the Union, you know, COVID has disappeared off of that. It is amazing. It, I mean, it's it just but, one day it it, it, it it was resolved. It just went away. But Trump, Trump predicted thought, that. Trump said, you know, one day it's going to be gone. And boy, was he right. It's like Afghanistan. One, one day, day it's, it's there. Next day it's You're gone. Quite but what worries me, though, is the attorney general, though, is now telling the fe- big tech, the big tech companies to give them to give him information about people who spread COVID misinformation. That is even I'm like, why does he care? And I am concerned that what they really want to do is squash any kind of discussion or talk or communication about some of the adverse effects. And, and I mean, they want to, like you said, they just wanted to go away. They don't want us taking a look at it. That's what, I mean, why else wouldn't he, why is he pursuing that? You know, well, if you're, if you're of the opinion that, uh, you know, COVID was used to get rid of Trump and, yeah. you know, kind of the great reset and all of that business, then, you know, it accomplished its goal and now it's yeah. onto something else. Yeah. yeah, they want it to go well, away. Right. They've got their elections coming up. The Democrats are not too popular these days. Uh, Biden's not so popular. And a, a lot of it has to do with his covid management. You know, he was going to beat covid and more people died in 2021 than in 2020. And, you know, the business is destroyed and the, all, all the problems from mandates and school closures and masks and all this stuff that now we're finding out didn't really do anything. Just well, we, we, we destroyed 43% net of, of small businesses in mm-hmm. Colorado. Uh, based on what? We made Costco and the big companies Richard, huge amounts of money Amazon. because we yes. destroyed all their smaller competitors. Well, that's, that's kind of part of the, the, the great reset of making the big corporations yeah, big and, and wiping out small business. So, right. so uh, well, we have to uh, thank Amazon, Walmart, Costco, they're, they're fine. Yeah. yeah, Jared Polson's good a forward looker because he was a week ahead of him saying, you know, get rid of get rid of the mass while not getting really the mass. And well, he, 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 saying- he, he took a politically expedient approach. He said, yeah. no, yes, I don't think they're needed, but I'm going to leave it up to the local jurisdiction. So I'm right. Right. all of it, all of which had Still mass had mandates it. until yeah. everybody fired. He gets to be the wise man. all for the, the head of the tri-county. And, you know, he destroyed that organization. And Jeffco got rid of their. They're Nazi right. uh, health, yeah, commissioner. health commissioner. Um, what about somebody? Oh, I, well, um, Thomas is saying, what about the reemergence, COVID reemergence in 2024 during the next election? <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to. It'll be, some, it'll be something. Places. It'll be, you know, who knows what it'll be. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something else and they're, you know, pushing this Russia-Ukraine thing and trying to get a war going. Uh, there could be some cyber attack outage. Right. You know, oh, yeah. what, uh, that, that I think they is could hack Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> you just never know. They could come up. Know. They could come up with a fake dossier and do anything. Dossier, there, there are all no, sorts no. of things that they could do, and that's uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what <laughs> happens. Well, what are you, you've, you've hinted a couple of times on what, just before we let you go, what are you working on and when, when should people keep an eye out for your next column? Yeah, I usually have something in American Thinker on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I have a column in the Villager every couple of weeks. That's a Rapahoe County paper. Uh, so those are my main outlets. Uh, 
I was on with our friend Peter Boyles on Wednesday morning. That's always oh, fun. Oh, no, there you go. There you <laughs> oh, go. no, everyone's going to light up our comment board. So <laughs> Peter's, Peter's, Peter and Chuck go to lunch, and uh, they, there's certain things they just can't talk about anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I hear about some of the lunches. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we talk some of the local politics and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I want to I wanna do – something kind of themed around the, the vaccines being safe and effective and the effective bit, uh, you know, that it's turning out not to be, as we were told, the effective oh. bit is that in the UK, 90% of deaths in the past month were among the vaccinated and boosted. Right. right. Uh, and then the safe is the Pfizer data being released of, yeah, maybe it's not so safe. And maybe there's a reason we do clinical trials and that they have, <laughs> Uh, they they go on for several years. Well, get get, get your visa for Kiev, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can be our correspondent there. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay away from there. I, you know, I don't know if I'm worried more about the Russians or the CIA. You know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, listen, God, thank you for sharing your yeah, travels and your great. pictures. It's great been to have fun you to back watch. Here. Welcome home, and thank you. We'll see you later. Take Thanks. care. It's always fun. See you guys. All right, there. Dr. Brian zoomed up there. Um, he's an American thinker. You can see his yeah, columns there. Great. That's great. great. Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. On this we had a lot of Friday. questions, and some people wanted to ask uh, Eric Audlin about election integrity. And the last time I had him on, I quizzed him a lot on election integrity. And he hasn't given in to Peter. Peter really pushed him hard, and he didn't He didn't fold. Uh, some I people have say, folded. So I at would, least on that, he's... He, he refused to fold for Peter, but, um, you know, I think we ought to do a show on election integrity in the Gableman report, uh, who is a special oh, prosecutor. Yeah, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I don't know how, and I haven't brought it up to Peter, but how you could read that report and kind of go, oh, it's just, there's, there's nothing, yeah, it's there's nothing, nothing, no, nothing. No, right. no, the Zuckerberg bucks, you know, corrupted everything and the nursing homes and everything else. Quite a hundred percent turnout of the nursing homes, even among people who are dead. Well, you know, and I'll say this about Eric. I think we, as we've talked with people, we've support and we support Laurel Imer, right, um, right. but we've supported her for, from the very beginning. When yeah, she just got like, in for just like Tom and, and I have to say, I, when we've had Eric on our show, pretty much I agree with him. He hasn't mm-hmm. given any answer. I just want to make that clear though. I've gone, Ooh, raised a red flag with me. Um, and he has answered all of the questions. He's gotten better. Yeah, he's gotten better yeah, he, he's answered him. all. Of but them. but still, like Tom Tancredo, we initially endorse Laurel Imer. And- yeah, I don't want to back off on that. So yeah. um, let's see if there's really quick She's comments. Great. Okay, Dr. Donis, thank you. So, um, okay, well, everybody, hey, listen, thank you to everyone on Zoom. Remember, you can catch all of the podcasts at chuckandjulie.com. We're also, we're on like Podbean, Apple, podcasts are all over the place. On Rumble, if you want to watch the video. And then we're also on Substack. And Substack, it's audio and video too. I want to thank and you. And if you have any facial hair in your guy, got to come off. It's no longer cool. <laughs> it was really cool for a while, but now <laughs> everyone must shave. Everyone Thank must you, shave. as always, to the great guys at PBS. Uh, we will see everybody on Monday. Have a great weekend. Happy party Friday. Take care, everybody.